I, Charles the Fourth, or is it the Third? Bloody man! We will strive for the denazification of the Let me put it to Yes, if you win by one, you've oh, won. The phone went over the side of the phone. Oh, excuse me, I just think everyone should be sure. What the fuck is going on? Part of the ACAST Creator Network and also available on Patreon. Hello, I'm Mark Steele. Welcome to my podcast, where each week I ask the question, what the fuck is going on? The Tory Baroness Michelle Moan is alleged to have made £29 million from the government that appointed her. She persuaded them that as she'd made lingerie, her company would be ideal to provide protective equipment for medical staff during the pandemic. Now, some people suggested this is corrupt, but I think it's perfectly fair, as long as we all get to have a go. So Vanessa, who works at Argos in Doncaster Town Centre, can call Michael Gove and tell him she wants the contract to run Trident for a year. She'll arrange for the submarines to be relocated to the River Don at the back of Quickfit, where local people can take them for a ride to Conisborough and back for £3.50. Then there might be one incident when a birthday party gets out of hand and they fire a nuclear missile at the B&Q in Scunthorpe, but she'll still be paid £29 million and ministers will insist it was good value for money. Then Fareed, an asylum seeker who drove a dinghy across the Channel, should lobby to be in charge of the West Coast train line, taking over from Avanti. He'll propose that the trains are replaced by inflatable lilos and one of the passengers has to drive it themselves. And the government will approve this as it means they'll be able to sack the drivers and he'll receive £29 million. And amazingly, this will result in a slight improvement of the service from when it was run by Avanti. Michelle Moan also lobbied her own government to award a contract for a company called LFI Diagnostics. And then it turned out that her husband was secretly a major figure in the firm. So the next batch of protective equipment in hospitals should be provided by Ted's Motors after Ted's wife lobbies the Department of Health. And then Ted's wife can deny that she knew that Ted was involved in Ted's motors and Ted can provide some masks and gowns made out of discarded starter mochas and broken wing mirrors and be paid £29 million. And then Dirty Doug, who sells homegrown grass behind the bins outside Morrison's, can win the contract for supplying anaesthetic to the NHS. And I'll lobby for my mum to provide clothing to the army with her knitting. Our troops will have to march around Iraq or Somalia wearing long-sleeved pullovers instead of combat gear, but she'll get her £29 million. Now, Rishi Sunak has said that he was absolutely shocked by the allegations about Michelle Moan's second contract. And you can understand how absolutely shocked he must be, because after she'd done it once, it seems completely out of character that she did exactly the same thing again. And in any case, all the other contracts awarded during the pandemic were given to people entirely on merit, such as the £40 million given to a bloke who was the landlord at Matt Hancock's pub. But Rishi should be delighted with all this. Here is the solution to rising prices. We all get a turn at lobbying for ourselves to swipe £29 million and the winter will be a breeze. What the fuck is going on? What the fuck, what the fuck is going on? 
This week, Britain saw the coldest temperatures of the year so far, which is particularly worrying for some people, especially this woman who I overheard in a cafe. Well, I heard Richard Maidley on Good Morning Britain say that temperatures are plummeting and we should all be worried about people sleeping on the streets. Well, I suppose if the pavements are icy, the last thing you want to do is trip over a homeless person, so he's got a point. And someone said there's a charity called Wrap Up London giving away coats that are no longer needed. So I went along, but they didn't have anything in my size. And when I asked if they had anything by Max Mara, the silly girl just looked at me as if she'd never heard of it. And then the nanny announced that she's getting a cold weather payment from the government. I said, well, if it wasn't for us taking the radiator out out of your room, it wouldn't have been cold enough and you'd never have got that money. So it's only fair if we take it. And she just started crying in Albanian and saying, how am I going to keep warm? So I told her that Calvados, our homeopath, says you can stave off the cold by putting a clump of cat's fur in a glass of water. But unfortunately, the water was frozen solid. So what can you do? You know, the only one who's delighted with all this cold weather is my husband, Colin, who's head of marketing for Pringles across the whole of the Rygate area because he's going skiing in Bournemouth. (laughs) I had no idea there was a ski resort there, which is funny because Tara from the spin class has a cottage there and she's never mentioned it. And on top of it all, Nectarine's in trouble again because she stole the council snowplow, which she would do because, you know, she's creative and she's bored. And now someone's complained that she drove it through the soup kitchen. But that's the trouble with some people these days. It's just me, me, me. Excuse me. The ice cube in my rhubarb gin is too cold. Could you heat it up for me, please? Oh, One of the great joys of trying to find out what the fuck is going on is when there are experts that you can call upon to assist you in this quest. And one of the greatest joys of all is when that expert happens to be Kate Robbins. Hello. (laughs) What an intro. Hiya, Steel. I nearly said hiya, Steel. Yeah, it's the same sort of introduction that they give to people on Good Morning TV that Schofield gives when he's you sort of introducing... You don't even know the name of the programme. Uh, it's This Morning, and the early one is called no. Good Morning Britain, and the BBC oh, one is called That Morning. It's all morning, isn't it? Oh, I, do you know, I had no yeah. idea. Good Morning and This Morning well, are different. Yeah, Good Morning Britain <laughs> is, the, is the ITV one that's on, you know, 6am till 9, and then you've got Lorraine... And then you've got This Morning, which is ITV's morning, late morning show. But the BBC Breakfast is just called BBC Breakfast because that's on in the morning. It's very confusing. Oh, Christ. Do you reckon uh, if we get sort of, if this podcast takes off a bit, we can have one called What What the Fuck is This Morning? <laughs> And Holly Willoughby might Holly Willoughby and Philip Schofield have really been involved in another scandal, like with the Queen's Q. Well, my Irish and heritage so that, and Welsh heritage, I want to say what the feck is going on, you know. Oh right, oh excellent. Because yeah. it's not quite as it's not quite as rude, but yeah. What the feck is going on with this morning? From I've just come back from New Jersey. Uh went out there all to right. um all my family just thought I was going to Jersey. They didn't know I was going to New Jersey. And I was like, they were like, it's taking you a long time to get to Jersey. And I said, No. I'm going to New Jersey. Anyway, I went to a film festival and I love watching telly over there. So it's worth going to the East Coast of America just to see the adverts, you know, because there's um there was a woman for for a liquid deodorant and she was going, underarms, right. it's for the pits. She she actually said underarms, then she called them pits. It's underarm, you know, <laughs> the pits, boobs, and butt crack. And that was a description of where to put the oven. I thought, imagine we just don't have adverts like that, do we? <laughs> That's marvelous. I when I 
I think the first time I went to New York was about 1990. And I it was such a mystery to me the way television worked. Yeah. I'd never seen television where there were like a hundred channels. Yeah. Channels, all things that we're just used yeah. to now. Channels where there's just stand-ups on yeah. all day. Uh, and the weather channel, which I still don't think yeah. was one here. I remember doing a bit about it, I can't recall right, but it but it was just a guy just all day. The weather channel all yeah. day. Well, there's a cold front coming in here from Wisconsin, and that's going to be coming. Oh, it's going to make it quite, uh, quite breezy out there this morning. And don't forget to you that this that this weather comes to you from Nabisco, the cereal that makes your that warms you up in the and yeah. Oh, the it's an absolutely fantastic. It is amazing. But I find when I'm in, especially on the east coast of America, I find myself going very English, and I find myself talking to people like this. And suddenly, I'm Julie Andrews, and I don't know why I do it, and I'm sort of saying, yeah. Yes, yes, we have castles in England. And I would never normally say, I would say castles, you know, because I'm a northerner. And then I get my A's wrong. And then I start saying, oh, yes, the royal family, yes. Princess Anne, you know, she's very, and I get all my A's mixed up. And I've turned into Mary Poppins when I'm there. I don't know why I do it. But um, I think I went just with some... Well, they expect it, yeah. isn't it? Is it a little bit of thing? Because you, know, you, you behave a little bit as people expect well, you yes, to be. Well, yes, they wanted me to sound very English, so I did. And, you know, I found myself saying things like Julie Andrews would say. But it was nice to just go there to get away from this shit show of a uh, country that we're living in. It seems to be like it's just so... Uh, I don't know, Mark. What the heck is going on? But it's just something we, we must talk about, and it's where... The shit show of the, of the political system, or whatever you, uh, as you just described yeah. it, sort of reaches points, has reached points that it wouldn't normally yeah. reach, such as the furthest ends of reality television. Oh. Now, you yourself, having had a daughter who's been who yeah. was very successful uh, when she into went the into jungle, the, the I'm uh, I'm a celebrity, yeah. and well, let's just uh, let's just clarify she, that. Well, Emily Atap, my daughter, yeah. went into I'm yes. a celebrity. Get me out of here which for those that don't know, is a jungle. <laughs> yes, the jungle. And then uh, uh, my good friend and friend of this show, Sean Walsh, is just friend of mine back too. from the end of that, and also a friend of yours and knows Emily. And so, uh, and all of this sort of in- intersected with the fact that it's become part of the, the political discourse of the country because suddenly catapulted into there was the ex health secretary, yeah. a man who, I'll be honest, I don't particularly care for. And, he speaks um, so highly of you. And now, <laughs> I wonder if he does. Yeah, and now there he, and, and now he's announcing that he's left, he's leaving the House of Commons, presumably so that he can do more well, of this. So the thing of about on, it I is, guess. Ed Balls did it, and Nadine Dorries, who is my local MP, did it. Now, Nadine Dorries got also got the, not the whip taken off, but she got suspended for doing it, but then went back into the Tory party big time and became Boris's best mate, as you know. Ed Balls um, did it. No, he didn't do The Jungle. He did Strictly, didn't he? And he's now a presenter on Good Morning Britain, the one that's on in the morning. Um, The difference, I would say, with Ed Balls and Hancock, nothing to do with the politics, is that I think Ed Balls has got a bit of a personality. Um, and Hancock just came across as this nerdy kind of person who's just good at doing everything at school, like a bit of a head boy. Do you know what I mean? Um, when Nadine Doris did it, the thing about Nadine, Nadine, I don't know how you say her name. She's our um, local MP, which is, you know, I'm not going to say anything about that. But um, 
Well, she unfollowed me, put it that way. Um, she unfollowed me on social media. She was following yeah. you to start yeah, with, Yeah, because she talks like, she's got the same voice as Shirley Ballas, the uh, Strictly judge. And so when you hear her talk, it's that sort of, you know, it's posh Liverpool, and it's like you've got the, you've got the, you've got the ups, you've got the beautiful spine, you've got the structure, you've got the rumba, you've got the shape bottom that's wonderful for dancing, and she's got that sort of posh Liverpool. She sounds like a lot of my mum's mates used to sound like, because they're from the same part of the world, I think. Um, but you know, I, listen, I don't want to cast any uh, aspersions about. Shirley Ballas, but uh, they do sound quite similar. Oh, poor yeah. Shirley. So, I mean, you know, the thing. I wonder if there's people sometimes wandering around when Strictly's on and they're busy and they're getting their kids' tea and they hear that voice, I think, and she's sort of about to give someone a, a seven you've because the they're. Because you've got they the posture. You've, you have got <laughs> the talent, know. but you haven't got the input. You haven't got the. She's very, very forthright, isn't she? Um, I quite like her. I mean, honestly, after Matt Hancock going in the jungle, it really is uh, gloves off for anything now, isn't it? And, uh, you know, we're all predicting who's going to be in the jungle next year, which which shock shock person it's going to be. Um, have you got any ideas for that? Yes, I'm so, I know. I, I, I know what? who's going to be in there. Really? Putin. <laughs> yep. And people are going, oh, I'll tell you what. No, but it's no, all right. We've all got our political differences. And I don't agree he with shedding ours in the States in Kiev. But he did his he went out, he was really good at getting rid of the spiders, and you can't fault him for that. <laughs> I have come back, I have nine stars for meal. Hey! And everyone's saying, hey, this is like this is like this is like going back in time to the early 70s where I only have two meals for 20 people. Yes, yes, exactly. Yes, maybe as we are, as for tonight we have Russian night. I have just one meal. One you potato must for everyone. For seven hours. <laughs> hey, I'll tell you what, he's a laugh. You've got to give him credit. He's a laugh. He's, I think tonight, that's... someone's going to be voted out. Bradley Walsh, it <laughs> might be you. Vladimir, it's not you. Oh, I am so pleased. I have been on an incredible journey. I have, this is time oh, of my can... life. I shall never forget friends I have made. Man from Holyoke. And you can see the tabloid headlines, you know, put in the jungle. He's been put, he's been yeah, put yeah, yeah, in yeah, there yeah, for exactly. a reason. <laughs> he's been put yeah. in, put, yeah, yeah, exactly. He's fu- uh, it fucking will happen. It will happen. Uh, yeah, and then... Uh, and then on day five, as a sort of little thing, one of them things that they do, suddenly as a surprise extra late entrant, Kim Jong-un comes in there. <laughs> Not Kim Kardashian, just Kim Jong-un. <laughs> yes, he's there to save his career. The two Kims, him and the Kardashian are brilliant. What oh, about yeah. Kim, Kim uh, Woodburn, the, uh, the cleaning woman? You can have the three Kims. <laughs> you oh, dirty, right. stinking, <laughs> filthy bitch. <laughs> I tell you what, my love, I've been in the jungle with a lot of people, and I tell you what, my love, you're a dirty, stinking, filthy bitch. Three Kims are brilliant idea. What would she say? What would she say about the state of his nuclear bombs? You might be, you're showing off with them, these big, shiny, big, these big bollocks things. But I tell you what, my love, you probably haven't washed your undies in three weeks. You're probably shitting yourself every day. (laughs) Yeah. That'd be I, I, met her, I met Kim Woodburn on a on a, an impressions program, and uh, she did that thing of you know somebody saying to you, 
but it's nothing like me. You know, it's nothing like me. And I want to say, well, shut up. You're lucky that I'm doing an impression of you. <laughs> no, she's very nice, actually. She was very pleasant. She said backpedaling like that. <laughs> that was very funny. But um, going back to Russia and, and the 70s, you know, which was when we all learned about Russia, you and me, Mark, when we were young, you know, and it was communist mm. and mm. there was only one potato yeah. going around. It's a bit like that in this country now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just one potato. It's, I feel like we're just living, uh, well, I do feel like, it, you know, we are sort of going back in time a little bit to the 70s. And, and that's not a bad thing, you know. I mean, I don't know, you know, anyone with a modicum of historical knowledge could, you know, believe that, you know, our problems, you know, are any worse than they were at any time in the past. But I remember the 70s with, with both glee and, and and with horror because, you know, we remember the strikes. Yeah, same as they are at the moment, which is fine. We got used to strike. We liked strikes. When I was young, we were, yeah, all right. Yeah, you're right. And we didn't mind sitting in the dark either because that meant uh, didn't have to go to school or, you know, and so it was quite exciting. It was quite an exciting time. It was violent. That's what I remember. Obviously, I was very young at the time, like yourself, uh, but I remember it being so. The trains were on time. Yeah, were they? Well, they were on time, was, but they just, were, they just weren't that many of them. But. Mm. There was one bus an hour and all that, but I know it must sound so odd. But well, there's probably still one bus an hour yeah. in a lot of places. But I just remember it being so violent. That's what I remember. That was so. There was none of the look at school. Was it like now? You'll get sort of people going, "Oh right, there was an incident and somebody stuck their middle finger yeah. up at someone, so they've been called in and their parents have been called in and they're having it." And we're now going to have a little discussion about hierarchies and that. Yeah. There was none of that. You just got. I was never bullied, but every Punched day you. someone just went. Yeah. And just punched me straight the in the face, <laughs> and then went. <laughs> yeah, 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 could be. Could I think be. you're right. There was a lot of violence, wasn't there? I mean, you know, I remember a girl in in the middle of a, um, the uh, eleven plus that we had to take to get into the grammar school. I remember a girl sitting in front of Janet Forrester who had a really long blonde plait, and the girl behind her just cut her plait off. <laughs> just cut it off. It's taken years sure, to grow ahead, you know what I mean? It just went bump like that. And I don't think she made it into the grammar school, that girl who did it. But this girl was left with no hair. It was just like, that's it. And one, um, one lad shit himself as well. One lad shit his pants. Shit himself? Yeah, one lad You're shit his pants. You can smell it. And it was terrible. I felt so sorry for him. So there we are in the 11 plus. Janet Forrester, or some, I think that was her name, she'd had her plaque cut off. And another guy had cacked his pants. And uh, they are. I mean, that's not very caring, is it? But nobody, nobody really cared. It was just the smell was awful. But that's why, I don't know how you feel about it, but when I hear people my age saying, oh, it made a man of you and it was better in them days and all that and all this nonsense they have now, what is the matter with you? That's terrible. That's that terrible. You could, you could sort of, you know, that the distress. I mean, I, you know, I tend to try and make a joke out of anything, but that is... No, awful. it's awful. This yeah. poor sod, and that's probably probably for the rest of their lives. They probably I know, traumatized and I, by I that. actually can't see a long plait without wanting to do what she did to Janet Forrester. I still, still <laughs> want to go and cut. It's absolutely <laughs> terrible. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel really sorry for that poor yeah that that the poor lad. His pants. One final question: What are you doing, Kate? That we should be uh, Ooh, looking out for. The most important thing that I'm going to be in which I hope you watch, is the um, Unforgotten series, the drama series on ITV, which Line of Duty and Unforgotten were the two most watched programmes last year. 
um, and they are um, unforgotten. Is is uh, about cold um, cases, murders, and um, I'm a regular in it, playing somebody. Well, I'm playing the new DCI's mother because Nicola Walker left the last series, and we have a new DCI now, and I'm her mother. Fantastic! Which will definitely be watching that on it's the good great. through the good offices of, uh, yeah. of ITV. Lots of love, Kate. Lovely Thanks, to have Mr. you on. Steel. Cheers. Bye. Now, as you know, we like to get views from all sorts of people on this podcast. So here, once again, is the master of gently teasing out opinions, Mike Concrete. Right, uh, with me now is Daisy Underwood. You'll know her from her cooking show, Go Kitchen. Hiya! Crazy with Daisy, there she is. <laughs> She's here to give us tips on one of my favourite subjects, Christmas dinner. How are you doing, darling? Oh! Mike, and this is my favourite time of year, you know. I'm surrounded by baubles, berries, I've got enough wrapping paper to cover the whole street. I bought a tree that's way too big. But what the hell? It's Christmas! Yeah, I'm much yeah. the same. It's a time of joy for once when uh, we can love our fellow man, except for all the idiots. They don't stop being idiots at Christmas, do they, Daisy? No. <laughs> right, Christmas dinner. Come on in, Daisy. What's the secret? you see let me tell you mike there are so many ways to go mm. crazy with christmas dinner yeah 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 you can have a massive turkey and a bucket of roast potatoes or a really massive turkey and a bucket of roast potatoes am i right <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i think the key to a sparkling christmas dinner is to start with the vegetables yeah i'll do that i'll start by giving them to the dog <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you tease. Well, just for you, let's talk about roast potatoes. I mean, let's talk about them, right? The key is to keep them simple and to mm. make sure you cut them all the same size you must so that they cook with the same texture. I'm dribbling already, Daisy. <laughs> but you are. And then add a sprinkle of paprika over each one. What? It's a roast potato, Daisy. You put salt on a roast potato. It's not some blooming bowl of chickpea soup from Afghanistan. It's Christmas, not Ramadan. Oh, well, you know, this is the wonderful thing about Christmas, Mike. It can be traditional. And it can be modern. <laughs> no, it can't. You can't have stuff from the Middle East at Christmas. What's that part of the world got to do with Christmas? Well, you know, Mike, Bethlehem, you know, it was in... You Christmas know. is about tradition. It goes back thousands of years, like weddings, singing in church and the FA Cup final. Well, the FA Cup final don't go back thousands of years. Yes, it does. See ya, Daisy. That's enough of that, idiot. No wonder Harry and Megan are on Netflix. Here's Matt Hancock with the high tide times at Weymouth. What the fuck is going on? Thank you so much to all those of you who are now supporting us on Patreon. It is because of you that we can continue our quest to find out what the fuck is going on. Uh, and if you would like to join these wonderful, virtuous, radiant people for for as little as two pounds a month just follow the link on our twitter page or go to www.patreon.com www.patreon.com and type in what the f is going on or if you really want to know what's going on for just four pounds a month you'll get a longer ad-free version of the episode with extended interviews and bonus sketches for example this week there's 
George Galloway, nonetheless, giving us his wisdom on Meghan Markle and the Netflix special. And you'll be able to take part in Ask Me Anything sessions and get discounts for live shows, details of which are coming up in just a moment. And you'll get all the episodes on Friday nights, unlike everyone else who has to wait until Saturday mornings when, to be honest, everything's out of date. So go to www.patreon.com and type in what the F is going on to join the WTF community. Now, it's the time of the podcast that is overwhelmingly all our little feedback things tell us uh is is the most popular part of all of the podcast which is the announcements people love announcements incidentally feedback fuck's sake you get emails now don't you go oh we know it's last week you bought a kit kat would you like to review it you can't have a shit now without some arsehole asking how you fucking can you just take a couple of minutes to Tell us what you've thought about the shit you just had. But we won't be doing that. But my general sense is that you love the announcements. Um, oh, yeah, right. Here's a thing. <laughs> On trains, I don't know if this is just a thing you only notice if you get a lot of uh, trains and comics tend to. But I don't know other people have said this. There's just thousands of announcements. You leave bloody, uh, I don't know, where do you leave? Peterborough. Uh, and then it's an hour before the next stop at Doncaster. And the whole time there are announcements, you have now joined the train at Peterborough. Well, people know that. How fucking stupid are they? How many people are going, oh, shit, I thought I was in Karachi. And then they tell you about a thousand things. And then, uh, anyway, I'm, uh, I can't go on about this, but that is the thing that I would change more than anything else in the world. Donald Trump and things like that. We can leave that to later. Announcements. And now, look at me. I'm doing the same. So, here's the first one. We are going to be having our next Ask Me Anything session this Monday, the 12th of December at 7pm. If you are a Patreon supporter of, uh, for £4 a month or more, you'll be able to take part and ask me anything you like, and I will be obliged to try and answer it. I may not, but I will warn you in advance that usually I get about five questions on University Challenge. So uh, that's the sort of, and they must ask about 7,000, mustn't they? So that's the sort of chances you've got of me being able to answer it properly. But uh, but ask me uh, anything you could, you like, and I might, I'm going to try and drag Elliot along for that. Um, you know, he's so cheerful that he's in such demand, of course. But that's this Monday, 7 p.m., Monday, December the 12th. Now, there's a live show. We've been promising this for several years. At last, there is a live show on January the 24th. All your favourite characters there. And indeed, I don't know what your favourite characters are. You might There might be some that you don't like. But it's going to be at the Bill Murray Comedy Club in Islington on Tuesday, January the 24th at 8pm. There will be a marvellous guest in the show, as well as Elia and all the characters uh, Mike Concrete will be there. There'll be um, uh, we're going to try and get the woman from the cafe. Well, she she will be there. She absolutely will be there. She'll be very upset about something. There'll be a woman on the phone in. There'll be uh, Nadine Boris has promised to come. Uh, there'll be a, a George Fred, deceased cricketer Fred Truman, has promised to uh, has prom- promised to resurrect himself to come along. And tickets will be twelve pounds fifty with discounts for our higher tier patron supporters. And they will be going on sale any day now. As soon as the Bill Murray sort of administration. Um, process 
gets itself into gear. It may well be that by the time you... In fact, almost certainly by the time you listen to this, they will already be uh, on sale. So we've put details of how to buy them on our Twitter and Patreon pages, and we hope you will all come to that. If everyone who listens to this podcast comes to that, then there will be tremendous roadblock. The police will think it's a demonstration, and, um, and most of you will probably be kettled and not get home for several days. Now, questions that people have been asking. Uh, Lots of people have been getting in touch with us on our Patreon account, as well as on Twitter, wanting to know what the fuck is going on with certain things. Tristan Quaife, magnificently named Tristan Quaife on Twitter, asks, how about the government giving the go-ahead for a new coal mine in Cumbria? Now, I think what Tristan's saying there is, what about that thing the government's doing, rather than suggesting that the government does it, because the government are doing it. They're giving the go-ahead for a new coal mine in Cumbria. That is seriously a what-the-fuck moment when you consider the commitments made at COP26, uh, not to mention the state of the planet. Now, there is some, of course, of course they're going to do that. Of course they don't care about these things. But there is something amazing about this, which, of course, is that for people my age, there was a whole period when trying to stop mines being shut down was sort of a major part of your, your life. And Arthur Scargill, that... People my age will remember was the mining union miners union leader who for a year led a, a, a strike in this country where the government said we're actually only shutting a few mines down to make them profitable and he would say this is a disgrace you, there is a plan to shut down the whole of Britain's coal fields and the government said you're lying and of course he wasn't lying they did pretty much shut them down I wonder now if he had a sense of humour now after school because now of course people on the left and people who are sort of more liberal minded don't want coal mines to be open. So there is something to make. Now the government's going, no, we are insisting on opening up a coal mine. And now Arthur Scott, if he's got a sense of humour, should come out and go, the government say they are only going to open one coal mine, but I have seen documentation that they are planning to open hundreds and hundreds of coal mines until there are over two million miners in this country. This must be stopped. And lead a, a series of demonstrations in northern and south Welsh towns about against it uh but yeah 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 it does seem that they shut them when they shouldn't and then open them when they shouldn't who'd have thought that they would get things the wrong way round? ipswich ben at ben ipswich asks is this the latest in december that palace have remained unbeaten very fucking funny you know if only we could aspire to the heights of ipswich um and incidentally here's an ipswich thing i once spoke to bobby robson and I asked him in this sort of old conversation we were having, what is what what was the in your what's your greatest achievement? What do you feel is your greatest achievement? And he went, What? I mean, working life. And he went, I said, Yeah, yeah, and you're working, you know, and you're working life. And I thought, well, getting England to the semi-finals of the World Cup, getting Ipswich, maybe to the one the FA Cup in 78, I think, something like that. And he said, the greatest achievement in my working life, the proudest I've ever been was I was walking over Waterloo Bridge about 1956 with my mate, who was an electrician as I was. And we both just stood on the bridge for about 10 minutes looking at the South Bank Centre, saying, we did all the wiring in that. That's my Bobby Robson story. (coughs) I've got one more thing. Here's my thing, what the fuck is going on. British Airways, 
Now, we have all become aware over the uh, over the last 20 years or so that one of the evils of the modern world is that the major corporations are more and more distant and impossible to communicate with. And we all know, you know, you have to ring and ring and wait and wait and you can't just be able to, oh, why not? There's a message. Why not pop into one of our regional hubs? There are still two left open, one on each of the Falkland Islands and all of that. And there's messages and messages. I used to do a whole thing about it, just that how insulting it was. We are, we are experiencing an unusually high degree of calls. but. That message is on all the fucking time. So it's not an unusually high degree of calls, is it? You can't be every every morning do they go, I can't believe it. There's the same unusually high degree of calls that there has been every single day for the last seven years. Who could possibly have anticipated that there would be the same number of calls as there is every other shitty fucking day? And then, just to add to the insult, your your call is important to us. Your call is, and then we're doing all we can to answer your call. All that. We're doing, uh, what do they mean? You're doing all you can to answer the calls. There's one thing you haven't bloody tried: picking up the phone. Why don't you see if that works? Are they sat there going, "We've done all we can to." I don't know. It keeps ringing. I've poured custard on the phone. I've painted it blue. I've put a cat on it. Nothing seems to pick the fucking thing up. Right, we all know that. But I would like to crown British Airways the absolute wonder, the wonderful champions of this because <laughs> I was uh, with my uh, uh, lovely partner. About, we were going to go to Turkey for one reason or another. Nothing to do with our fault. Can't go, right? Can't go due to geopolitical bloody reasons. So, and it is, I know other people have said this. There is no way of getting in touch with British Airways. They they do not exist. They clearly are not in this universe. You could there's no number. You'd send an email. I've even tried the press office. There is no way of getting in touch with these fuckers at all. It's, it's utterly impossible. I don't know how they get. I don't know who contacts them if they want to. If they want to. Sell them a plane? I don't know. How do you, does anyone know? I would love to know if anyone knows. How is it possible to get in touch with British Airways? No one I know has got a way. There is literally, you can ring up and try and buy a ticket. And if you say, I'd like to ask, you know, if there's any way of getting the money back for a ticket that we're clearly not going to use two months in advance, you can't, they just kept it. Are they just like, are they like the family that lived in Swanley where I was brought up, where they were just sort of like, you'd go and try and buy something off them, like a, a, a I don't know, like a, 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 a car or something, or oh, we're selling cars, and you'd go around and they, you'd give them the money and then they'd just run out the back and you'd never see them again. <laughs> are they like that? British Airways, what a scavenging bunch of thieves. I would really like to know if there's anybody on here who's found a way of getting in touch with British Airways. Maybe the CEO of British Airways is listening to this podcast down in your underground bunker somewhere under the Pacific Ocean, like something out of a Bond film. Please, please, please get in touch, British Airways. What the fuck is going on? Never is it more true that you have to employ 
the young of this world to find out what the fuck is going on than at Christmas time, which I think we officially are now in with it being oh, two weeks or whatever it is, to the actual Christmas day. And that is why I have bred someone who can talk to me about the jollities of what the fuck is going on at Christmas. Elliot Still, Hello. good morning. Morning. It's like hot FM at half past eight in the morning with Amanda Holden here. Step into Christmas step. Are you full of festive fun and radiating with baubles? Of course. Um, do you remember a conversation we had a few days ago when I said, shall I get a tree? Yeah. What did you say? No. Yeah. It's long now, isn't it, Christmas? <laughs> it's long. It's just because in my in, in our line of work, well, more mine than yours in a way, because I do the clubs. My uh, like tonight, yeah. I'm in High Wycombe, and I, oh, yeah, really? yeah, and I know it's going to be sort of office Christmas parties. Right. All who've paid extra, but I don't get any extra money. Um, just being drunk and rowdy, and then I've got like Oxford Glee this weekend where they will be drunk and rowdy. And that's fine. That's oh, that, my job. That's sort of the same time as the that's France sort of the match. That's the same time as the France match. So, mm. um, so yeah, my job's like having to deal with people at Christmas. So I actually loathe the build up to Christmas because I'm like, that's when gigs get horrible. Oh Christ! What's the most horrible one that's happened? Oh, I did one in a in a prison nightclub in Leeds several years ago. That started an hour late because prison nightclub. Sometimes you do this. I've had this this week, actually. Sometimes you do gigs that are shit, and th- that's fine. Because one of the ways you can get through a shit gig is by going on and going, how shit is this gig? And then there's almost like the audience right. that have a respect for you because they're like, oh, you're one of us. You know it's shit. Like, you're aware that this is shit. So they then right. like, buy into you a little bit as an act. And it buys you some, you know, some yeah. time. I've done this a few times in my career. And about four or five times, I've got in trouble from the venue for going, how dare you tell everyone who was at our shit gig that it was a shit gig? And, <laughs> right. And so I've actually had that this week. But uh, I did a prison nightclub that they were like, oh, the, the people were like, we, we need to start late. And I was like, why? And they were like, because we haven't given people their brownies yet. And I'm like, all right, well, why don't I be on stage and you give them the brownies and people can eat the What are brownies? The brownies, the, the food, the brownies, the, the, the dessert. They need, they were like, we need, no. And they were like, no, it goes starter, main, and then dessert, and then the comedians. And I'm like, yeah, but you're pushing, they're like, so we're going to push the show back by an hour. And I'm like, that means they're going to get more drunk. Like, you don't, you're not listening. Like, this is my job. Like, trust me when right. I say I can be on stage while people eat a brownie. I don't care. <laughs> and then they were like, no. So I went on and my whole opening bit was like, I'm sorry we're an hour late, but for some reason they couldn't give you a fucking brownie and trust you to watch the comedy at the same time. This is their fault, not mine. And, they were like, right. and then I sort of got away with it. <laughs> Because I did a whole thing going like, and what did you expect when you came to prison nightclub for your office work night for a comedy show? Of course, it's going to be shit. Why are you expecting <laughs> the food at prison nightclub to be any good? And right. that was like getting lost. <laughs> I'm like, why, why would you, like, who, right. why did you think any of this was going to work? 
And mm. it was at the time of the general election during Christmas. So I went, the way to get back at your boss for putting on an awful Christmas party is vote for Corbyn next week. Like, don't, don't, <laughs> this isn't my fault. And then, yeah, I got, I got like a complaint and they didn't want to pay me and stuff. Uh, really, did you? Well, no, right. but, that's, but that's totally fair. <laughs> well, that my, I think possibly my worst ever gig. So I'll tell that story yeah, now. Yeah. You were there that day. I, I, I think this, this must be my worst ever. So I think you came came with me. I was in, not to the actual gig, but it was in Andersonstown Leisure Centre in uh, West Belfast. Oh, I remember this. Andersonstown, yeah. yeah. So the Andersonstown is the most Republican part of Catholic Republican Belfast. So Andersonstown Leisure Centre uh, around that, that area, there are sort of like murals of hunger strikers and you know stuff with, even now, <clears throat> 25 years after the Good Friday Agreement, there's murals everywhere of provisional IRA they members in the They love a mural, there. don't they? They love a mural, yeah, yeah they do love a mural. Um, yeah, and, they, you know, with the old in AK-47 and all that sort of yeah. thing. And that's, that's still very much, in fact, they're tourist attractions now. People, oh... We went to West Belfast and the paintings are beautiful. Oh, in fact, I used to have a joke. <clears throat> I do have a joke at the time that I do in, did in Belfast where I would say about all the murals and that, I'd say it's like you've got a whole city full of Rolf Harris's here running yeah. around with little pots of paint going up to walls going, got to give him a little balaclava there and a little armalite rifle. Can you tell what it is yet? He's a little fella from the provisional IRA. That's funny. And then years later, I'd say, and when I wrote that joke, I can have had no way of knowing that 10 years later, the most controversial part of that joke would be Rolf Ferris. Right. So that's Andersonstown Leisure Centre. And I was booked to do something at the West Belfast Festival or something. And it so straight away, it's in a leisure centre. There's all badminton courts, painted yeah, that, and, you know, out, all that. So anywhere, if this was bloody... Kidderminster Leisure Centre, it would be difficult. But it's Andersonstown Leisure Centre. And I, we, we were staying with people that uh, are new, lovely people who lived up the Newton Odds Road, which is on uh, the other part, East Belfast, Prystons. And we were staying with them. And they, it was two miles, I think, from their house to Andersonstown. This is how divided it, Belfast is. I remember them saying, and they're not at all sort of, you know, they're not like Orange Order or anything. And they were, are you sure? I've never been to Andersonstown in my life. I don't ever remember going there. And it's like two miles away. And I remember getting in the taxi and they're like, are you sure that's where you're going? Have you got the right address there? Andersonstown. I'm not, I'm not fucking sure about if I should go there. And then we go there. And it's uh, the guy who's booked me is a guy called Danny Morrison, who very much of his times was known as having been uh, a member of Provisional Sinn Féin when they were a little bit tasty. And now <laughs> was in part of the, I think he was culture minister or something. It wasn't that, but something to do with culture. And he was booking the West Belfast. So he was there and it got late. Exactly the thing you're just saying, except there's about a thousand people mm. there and it's got later 
and lighter. Merrick, do you mean just hanging on another half no, in there? It's just this no. bit. And it's, they're getting drunk and they're all throwing beer at each other. They've set up a bar at the back and they've, they've bought some stuff from Tesco Express or something. Then they're selling the beer and it's getting more and more drunk. And I thought, geez, you know, you look at it and think, is there a way of doing this? Is there? Is there a way of doing it? And I thought, maybe, maybe, maybe. And they're all that's absolute mayhem. And then the guy introducing me went, Can you believe that? At the West Belfast Anzestein Leisure Centre Festival, and yet they've gone and booked a fucking comic from Britain. Whoever's done that there (laughs) is simply that. I know that'll be one of those Northern Irish acts that only plays three clubs all in. And they all, and every every other joke is, because you imagine being Protestant. Hey. The, and by the way, North Belfast comedy scene is fucking wicked. The young guys there have a wicked comedy scene. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Like they they, brilliant up, they all there, sell out but... the arena there and stuff. They're wicked. But there is some of the older generation who are just like, Jesus, Fenians, eh? And that's there. <laughs> that, that, right. is, that is what they do. <laughs> yeah, well, this was the other way around. Oh, yeah, that was, was that was very bad. Yeah. So, of course, I went on and it was just absolute mayhem and there's tinned flying and everything. So I came off after about half. I remember saying, you know, I used to come over here a lot when the fighting was going on and I always had a brilliant mm-hmm. time. I think you, you, it helps you get it out of your system. I think you need to go mm-hmm. back to being at war. You were more fun then. Anyway, that yeah, didn't yeah, that help. And I, I, <laughs> I came off and... Danny Morrison came up and said, uh, I'd like to apologize to you, Mark. Would you like to come under that sweet room here so I can apologize to you properly? And I thought, fuck it all. I don't think many people have been asked to go into a room on their own with Danny yeah. Morrison in, in, in the past so we can apologize about the way that the Irish behave to the English. Have you, uh, and, were you uh, thinking you were going to walk in there and like, put Pesci in Goodfellas when he thinks he's going to be at yeah. night? <laughs> Like you just open the door and, and you just you just ah shit. Yeah. It's been a problem. Yeah, yeah. What was it? What was it like when you were, when you apologised to your last English person? Yeah, I remember that. But, ah shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I went into this room and of course there was someone there who we were staying with who'd come with me and he was just he just sent me a text saying I'll meet you out in the car park immediately yeah. you know and I said oh, I said oh, I'm supposed to be meeting so lad may just apologize and he was very very polite and sweet I'd like to apologize that was racism that's what that was against the English I don't anyway so I, okay and then I said now the trouble is now I'm going to go out there Danny there's going to be all people out there there's going to be thousands of people in the car park and I'll come out there with you and you'll get in no trouble at all I can guarantee you that and I thought that's yeah but you can so he sort of led me out into the car park and me and the guy we were staying with got into this taxi and we left and we got home where you were I think you were probably about 14 and we got back <laughs> to the place and told the story to the bloke's wife, the woman where we were staying with. And bless her, we just told the whole story. And she just as calm as anything went, that's a bad night when the safest place to be as alone in a car park with a murderer. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you are. Let's hope High Wickham goes better than that. Yeah. What the fuck is going on? Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you've liked it, rate it. And if you can be bothered, write a review. If you can't be bothered, then write a review that takes you a long, long time. Uh, 
If there is anything at all that you think I should be finding out what the fuck is going on with it, please send me a message on Twitter at WTF is going on pod and we will look at every message that you send. If you would like to become a WTF supporter and get early access to ad free in this world where nothing is ad free, extended versions for as little as £2 a month, please visit our Patreon page. What the f- Fuck is going on was hosted by me, Mark Steele, with my guests Kate Robbins and Elliot Steele. Voices by Sarah Alexander and Kate Robbins. It was written by Mark Steele and Pete Sinclair. Music by Willie Downing. It was produced by Mike Benwell. What the fuck is going on was brought to you by WTF Productions. <laughs> <laughs>